Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here with us. And would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, this is your word. And this is a sacred space. These are your people. And I pray that they would hear your messages today, that we would be transformed by your word to love you more and to be more enthralled with you. In your name I pray. Amen. So last Sunday, Greg Johnson preached about the God of justice roaring like a lion from Amos chapter 1. And he used a couple of illustrations. God chooses the illustration of him being a lion. But um, Greg talked about a couple of illustrations of what it looks like for God to roar as a lion. And he said, lions, when they roar, you can hear them from miles away. You can hear the roaring. And then in another text, uh, the Lord says, hey, the lion is coming for those who are um, actively um, uh, working in justice. He will tear them apart. He will rip them up. And I think generally speaking, we applaud that kind of message. We want to see our Lord be the God of justice. We want to know that he's good and that he's working and that he's active. But I, I find that there are times when I wonder, maybe you do as well, if God is roaring like a lion, why can't I hear him? Why can't I hear him? Where is he? Um, I look around, and I've experienced the trauma of living in this society as living in any society on this, on this planet. I experienced the, um, the seeing of the Ukrainians and the Russians lining up, and I get anxious, lining up for more war. We have school shootings that have become common. We have uh, people who protest for justice and yet go unheard. We have um, so many murders in St. Louis, and half of them are unresolved, just from last year. We have abusive pastors who continue to haunt congregations. And the blood of Trayvon Martin and Emmett Till still cry out from the ground, along with countless others. Lord, you're a lion. Where are you? Are you roaring? Do you care? I was in a youth group last week. Oh, well. And I was talking to the students, and I asked, hey, how, what's, what makes it hard to believe in God? And one of the students said, sometimes it looks like God's not doing anything. Sometimes it looks like God's not doing anything. Where are you, God? And I think that that's a legitimate question. It's a challenge for us to face. We've got issues in this country, in this city, sorry friends, in this church. I'm not, I'm part of that. We've got problems and we're looking for the, for the righteous God to come. We're saying, where are you, Lord? And guys, I've got this text from Romans 15 that I want to read to you. This is not what we're going to be covering, but listen to this text. Because the Lord knows you're asking these questions. And from Paul, he says, for everything that was written in the past, speaking specifically of the Old Testament scriptures, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. As we look to the Old Testament, as we look to the scriptures, we're going to find answers to questions. They're challenging ones. They're not easy. And we're going to get into that. 
Um, but if we look and we read, this stuff is for us, friends. So if you're one, like me, or like many of us, who is asking, where is the God of justice now? Where is he? Where's the roaring lion? I want you to look to the book of Habakkuk. And Keith and I are going to be covering Habakkuk for the next, well, this week and the next two sermons. And we're going to see where that God is, what he's doing, how he's acting. We're going to learn him. We're going to get to know him. So would you read this text with me, brothers and sisters? This is Habakkuk 1. We're going to read verse 1 all the way to 2, 1. It's a little bit long, so bear with me. <laughs> the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you? Violence! But you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. And justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. The Lord's answer. Look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. And they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own strength is their God. Back to Habakkuk. Oh Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures. They have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Wow. You guys, you guys doing okay? It's heavy. It's hard. This is a brutal answer. 
This conversation is challenging. Brothers and sisters, as we step into this, as we step into this, I'm going to be asking one big question, and there are three answers. All right? This is, the, this is the structure of my sermon. If you want to take notes, this is a great time to write. All right, here it is. You ready? The big question, where are you, God? Where are you? And the answers we're going to find are first, he's a God who's listening. He's listening to the cries of his people. Second, he's a God who's, ans who's acting. He's a God who's active. He answers the cry of his people in action. And finally, he is a God that is true to his character. He's going to be true to himself. Friends, those three things, I don't care who you are in, uh, amongst the Christian community, if you believe in Jesus Christ, those three things are hope and good news to you. Your Lord hears you. He's listening. Your Lord is going to act and indeed is acting now. And your God is always going to be true to himself. He's always going to be true to his holy, righteous, and perfect character. All right, so the first thing we see is the God who listens. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Habakkuk. Who is this dude? We know so little about him. In fact, all we know from our scriptures is that, he was, that he's a prophet who received an oracle. That's, that's it. But he gives us a lot of information about the experience he's having. And um, what we do know is that he's this prophet. And for the prophets, this one particularly, scholars believe that he was a professional prophet, that he worked at the temple. And as one who worked at the temple, what his job was, was to hear the concerns of the people and respond to the, and intermediate, take those concerns to the Lord, and then give the people a response. So what he's doing right now is he's listening to the people and he's looking for the response of the Lord for them. That's his job. All right, and he's doing it well. Um, some of the prophets, or some of the other Old Testament uh, prophecies speak horribly about the professional prophets, rightly so. Habakkuk is the one that is a good guy. He's the one that's actually um, standing in the temple, caring for people and seeking to love people. All right, now what Habakkuk does is he makes a complaint. He makes a lament. It's regularly a regular complaint or lament found in the scriptures. It's in the Psalms. It's in um, Lamentations, it's in Jeremiah. And he says, how long? And when we're talking uh, Hebrew poetry, I'm sorry, this is going to be a little complicated. I'm not sorry. This is the word of God, and it's wonderful. Um, uh, it, the Hebrew poetry is going to be, um, we're going to try and take it apart a little bit. So you get parallel statements. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? Um, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not say this is a lament that he's starting. And notice the two lines mirror one another. What's the difference between those two lines? He actually names in the second line, he intensified the problem. The word is Hamas, violence, wickedness, oppression. Um, uh, my, one of the commentators I read, who is Maria Tzelis, she wrote this commentary in Romania under communist rule. She says um, that, forgive me, uh, violence, uh, Maria, it refers to violent deeds as mirrored in the abuse of power 
that results in oppression and extortion. The issue here is the arbitrary and deliberate rejection of human rights. In a word, tyranny. Now, John Currid also talks about this word. He says this is the same word we find when Sarah is talking to um, Abraham about her servant Hagar. And she says, hey, Hagar's treating me awful because I can't have a child. And she does, and she's despising me. The violence that she has put on me be on your head, Abraham. So we know that this type of violence is not just physical violence. It's emotional. It's, a, it's verbal. It's all types of violences. And Habakkuk makes that very clear by going forward. The next verse contains three couplets, three versions, three, three twos. And those, el those two elements, or those three elements, are going to show us more and more what these words, what's going on here. So he says in verse uh, three, why do you make me look at injustice and wrong? Um, those two words are, wait a second, I gotta find it in my notes. Oh, I can't find it. I won't tell you the, um, the Hebrew words, but iniquity and trouble, trouble, they're coming, they're rising. Uh, oh, here it is. <laughs> um, Amal and Aved. And the key is that these two words were something that Balaam, the former prophet, said would never be. These will never be in Israel. I won't, we won't see them. And here they are. Habakkuk's like, hey, God, they're right here in front of me. Please do something. Uh, he goes forward to name two more. Why do, you, why do you make me look at this and why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence. That word violence is the same, Hamas. But destruction is showed, beshowed. And beshowed, the emphasis there is plundering and destroying and stealing and, and like just gobbling up, right? All right, so we move forward. Um, strife and conflict. Let me just, this is Reeb and um, Madon. Has nothing to do with the name Madden, just to be clear. If there's a Madden here, don't worry. Madon. Strife and contention. Arguing, bickering. Reeb is the same word used of the Israelites when they're going through um, the Exodus and they're just fighting all the time and they're grumbling. They're grumbling. Guys, sometimes, sometimes when we think about the Old Testament um, descriptions. We think, wow, that sounds so medieval, which is a terrible phrase. Or we think, wow, that's so, oh, that's biblical. Like, we don't have people chasing us around with knives trying to kill us. Some of you might, but generally speaking, right? And what we end up thinking is, the Bible doesn't really apply to our situation. Habakkuk lists all of these terms because he's emphasizing we're talking about social decay and destruction. And let me tell you, if you're listening, you're hearing those same things in our country, in our city, and in our churches. Deconstruction is everywhere. People, and what deconstruction is all about? First off, people walking away from the faith, which is heartbreaking. But secondly, people saying, hey, the church was fake. I had a friend tell me, she said, my dad was an abuser at home. He abused my mom, he verbally abused us, 
He was a wicked man. But guess what? He was an elder at his church. May the Lord have mercy. Friends, we have violence here. We have Hamas here. We're living through it. And Habakkuk is giving us an example of what we're called to do when we see it. And that call is to cry to the Lord. Lift up your voices to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Complain to the Lord about what you see. Say, Lord, are you out there? Do you care? Do you care? I fear that sometimes we're a little distracted to care about the violence around us. Or we've hit it on the far side of Delmar to make sure we don't see it. I fear that we um, avoid it. I know, for me, sometimes I just prefer to like watch ESPN or sit down and play video games. Not, neither of those are bad things. Brothers and sisters, are we seeing the, um, the destruction of the, of, of the righteous? Are they being swallowed up? Do you care? Do you know? The all, um, all of this Habakkuk leads to verse 4, which is the pinnacle of this first part, of this first section, where he says, Therefore, because of this destruction in, the society, in society, in, the Ju in uh, Jerusalem, because of this, the law is paralyzed. Law, Torah, the teachings of the Lord are paralyzed. Justice never prevails, and the wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This is the greatest sadness of this text. The law is the life and the light of the world. The law, the Torah, the scriptures. Jesus comes and is that word to us. And Habakkuk says it's being blunted, numb, distorted, destroyed, not quite destroyed, but so numb that it is ineffectual in its context. People are tuning out the preacher when he preaches about the things that they don't want to hear. People are tuning out the, the word of God and they don't care what he has to say. Or, what is worse, they're manipulating it. They're manipulating it to make it, um, to, make, to find the loopholes so that they don't have to face justice, they just get to go walk free. The righteous are, are hemmed and surrounded and right the justice, mishpat, Right judgment is perverted. May the Lord have mercy. Friends, do you see it here? Do you see it here, whether it's memorial? Do you see it in your youth group? And then if it's in your youth group, you're pointing at me. All right? Do you see it in uh, your community groups or on Sunday mornings? Do you see it in this city? Do you see it in our government? Where do you see it? Cry out. Cry out and say, Lord, help. Lord, do you care? Lord, where are you? Because what, when he does, when Habakkuk does, notice the terms change. It goes from Habakkuk addressing Yahweh to Yahweh addressing Habakkuk. Your Lord hears when you cry. Are you crying? Are you crying? Do you care? Are you, are you seeing what's going on around you and are you naming it 
and taking it to the Lord that he may work. Complain to him, friends, when the church cries, your Lord will hear. And those who are feeling oppressed will hear. I have this horrible story um, of a man named Jamar Tisby. Any of you guys recognize that name, Jamar Tisby? Okay, so Jamar Tisby talked in a podcast about a year ago about leaving um, uh, some reformed churches. And it was right after Trayvon Martin was murdered in Florida. And he, uh, Jamar Tisby used to go to one of those seminaries, not far from there. And he went looking to see what the churches would say in response to Trayvon's murder, where Trayvon was shot in the street. And he said, the silence was loud. No one was saying anything. No one cared. And he named one pastor, I'm not going to name him, um, but one guy who definitely should have. One guy that we as a community would very much look up to, and his church was silent. Brothers and sisters, are we crying? Are we crying out on behalf of those who are experiencing injustice? And do we care? Are we involved? Because if we are, verse 5 tells us the Lord will answer. Let's get into um, the Lord's answer. Because let's face it, this answer is not the one we wanted to hear. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am do, going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. These are the new enemies of the people of God. They, the Lord himself describes them as ruthless and impetuous or hasty. They blow like the wind across the whole earth and they seize dwelling places not their own. The word is not used, but the idea of the plunder that we talked about earlier, is right there. They're taking their, everything that's not their own, and they're going to take it out of their own strength and might. They are feared and dreaded. Seven, they are a law to themselves. You know what word that is? Mishpat. The same word for justice or judgment. Mishpat. They decide their own justice. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the word of God. They don't care. They decide. Might makes right. And guess what? This is the biggest fish. This, this is the biggest fish in the pond. And they're going to swallow and they're going to eat it up. Because they are a lot to themselves. Um, they promote their own honor. In verses 8 and following, 8 and 9, the uh, words of the Lord take on strongly illustrative imagery. That's kind of a redundant saying, but um, he, the, the leopards are the, are the stalkers. Have you ever been in the woods at night and felt like something's watching you? You got the evening wolves who are howling. You guys ever been out in like uh, Greensfelder Park? The youth group has. Have you heard the coyotes howling? Coyotes are like tiny. They're not a big deal. But when you're sleeping in a hammock like Sam Dolby, <laughs> and you hear the and you hear them howling, you start you start getting scared, guys. Like these are the terrifying things, and these are what their horses are like. Their horses are coming for you. They're coming for you. That's what he's saying. The horses are coming, and they're wicked. 
Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like vultures, swooping to devour. Verse 9, they all come bent on... Hey, who's looking at a, at a text right now? Who's looking at a Bible? What is that word? They all come bent on... Can you say it? Violence. Hamas. The same term. One point in Habakkuk's like, Lord, there's violence! And the Lord says, in judgment, here comes violence. In judgment, here it comes. It's terrifying. Verse 10 speaks about how they think it's funny. They laugh at fortifications. They laugh at kings. Their own violence amuses them, and that others would try and stop them is funny. It's like a puzzle they have to figure out, and it's easy. They sweep over it. They destroy it. This coming plague is awful. It's awful. And the hardest thing, brothers and sisters, is God says, I'm doing this. I'm raising them up. I'm causing them to stand. All right. Two points of application from this. You ready? These are really, really challenging to hear. The first, our God is sovereign. He controls even nations that are evil. He is over it all. He's seeing and he is acting. He is not turning away. If you feel like, Lord, what are you doing? His answer to you is always, I am at work. I am acting. I am moving. And in some of the ways, it's scary. The Lord is an active God, and he is in control of even the most vile nation, whether that's the United States of America or some other place. He's working. He's in control. Second thing, he takes injustice very seriously, and the judgment he brings is heavy. Friends, this should make us as, as, as the church shake, because this specific oracle is not to the Babylonians. It's to the, to the community of God, to Jerusalem, to the people of God, the chosen people. Today, that's us. That's us. We have a response to this God who's acting. Repent, turn from wickedness, turn from our evil ways, repentance, and crying out to him. Lord, help. Lord, forgive us. But there's a third thing we can do. We can also mediate. This is really beautiful. I mean, you think of Abraham, God coming to Abraham and saying, hey, should I share with Abraham? He's talking to his two. It's not exactly. He's talking to his muscle. Um, God is, he's got two angels that are going to go into Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And the Lord looks at these two angels and says, hey, should we, uh, should we share with Abraham what we're going to do? And I would love to know what they say in response, because <laughs> they don't have anything to say to the Almighty. But um, he says, I'm going to do it. So he shares with Abraham, he shares with Abraham um, what, they're gonna, what he's going to do. It's like, we're going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, we're going to destroy it. And Abraham says, would you spare it for the sake of the righteous. 
Would you spare it if there are so many righteous? Would you spare it if there are so many righteous? Would you spare it if there are so many righteous? Abraham is crying out for the sake of the righteous in his community. Hey, let's go, brothers and sisters. That's what we're called to do. We can cry out for the sake of the righteous in our city. We can cry out for the sake of the righteous in our church. We can cry out for the sake of the righteous causes. That's what we need to do. That's what we are called to do. And the Lord listens. Habakkuk goes on. Oh, Lord, you are, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? The treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Verse 14 to 15, and 15, start describing um, the Babylonians as these fishermen. They're just eating up all the people. They're just going and they're gathering and collecting. And they're, think about the guy who goes to like sevenths and, and eighths at Golden Corral Buffet. Let's get some of that, and let's get some of that, and let's get some of that. That's what the Babylonians are. They just keep going. And there's not that many people left for them to thresh out. The mashed potatoes are almost gone. <laughs> Appreciate this laugh. It's not funny, but, you're, but I, I made it funny. Um, like, the people are being threshed. The fish are being gathered. How many more fish are there left for their nets? And then, this is what the people, this is what the Babylonians do. They're like, man, that is so good. I'm going to start singing about these plates. I'm going to start singing about my nets. Let's rejoice. Golden Corral is my temple. Now, I'm not, I, I love Golden Corral, all right? And I do get fourths and fifths at Golden Corral. But um, the emphasis here is that these Babylonians don't care. And Habakkuk is like, Lord, how can you side with them? How can you side with them? They'll swallow up the righteous. But notice how Habakkuk starts this complaint. He says, Oh Lord, all caps if you're looking at a text, that all caps is the covenant name of Yahweh, the Lord who is true to his covenant promises. Wait, Lord, we know who you are. He is, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. That's such an interesting thing for them to say, we will not die. You'll see us. It's a debated translation, but I think it's the correct translation. You'll see us. And then what does he call the Lord? Rock. Oh, my rock. Oh, rock. You have ordained them for, to punish? Even in the midst of um, this harsh response, this harsh deliverance, Habakkuk is saying, I see who you are, Lord. I see who you are. Please have mercy. And the Lord is going to go on to assure them that the righteous will be saved, that he will care, that he is not going to miss any of his people. He loves his people, but he's also very harsh on injustice. He's a God who acts. He's a God who's true to himself. 
And that gives us hope. In Acts chapter 13, we see this text repeated. Um, if you have the time to turn to Acts 13 in your pew Bibles, it's 1715. That's the page. Um, and if you have another Bible, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Um, but Acts 13 and follow, uh, Acts 13, looking at verse 32 and following, we tell you the good news. This is Paul preaching to the uh, to within a synagogue uh, in the city of Antioch. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried and his fathers, with his fathers, and his body decayed. But... The one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophet said does not happen to you. What did the prophet say? Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish for I am going to do something in your day that you would never believe, even if someone told you that's a direct quote from Habakkuk 1. The good news of Jesus, friends, is that you are forgiven, that you are made new, you have hope, and it's in Him. That's our hope. That's the strength that we have. And the Lord knows it. He doesn't forget it. When He threshes the, the unrighteous, when he beats it out, he'll hold on to the wheat. Where do we want to stand? Where do we want to stand, friends? Do we want to stand with the righteous that are swallowed up by the oppressed, or, or swallowed up as the oppressed? Do we want to cry out in their defense? Where do we want to stand? Well, we want to stand with Christ, who is making us new. Um, I'm going to make some, um, we're very close to being done. Very close. All right, here we go. So here's some application points. Things you can do. Um, how many of you enjoy reading the news? Or maybe not enjoy, maybe that's harsh. How many of you read news, follow the news? Okay. As you're following the news, pray about it. Cry out to the Lord over it. When you see things of injustice, say, Lord, would you hear Seek your own forgiveness in it. And as you pray over injustice, brothers and sisters, the Lord will work in your hearts. He will change you. He will make you more like himself. We're on a journey of sanctification. And sanctification happens through engagement with our Lord. His care for you. Seeing it. Experiencing. You taking on the needs of the Lord. And he'll change you. So as you're reading the news... There's this great um, CD, I'm going to recommend it. Porter's Gate is the, is the group. They have a lament CD. If you listen to that lament CD while you're um, reading through the news, it, it will help you. you don't, that's, not, that's not from the Lord, that's from Sam. Okay, I'm just trying to 
to give points of application. All right, so that's, that's one. Another, your community groups are great places to talk about the justice of the Lord and how he responds to injustice, to seek your own forgiveness, to see what is mislacking in us, to cry out to the Lord to cover us and to move us forward. As we do this in community groups, individually, in private, as families, and then on Sunday mornings, we will be voices that cry out against injustice. We will be standing with Christ, and he will be molding us into himself. And I got a promise, the Lord's gonna do it. And the Lord gives promises in the rest of the basket about what the faithful experience. Right? He has his eye on you. He loves you. He's going to fill you and motivate you and strengthen you and bring you to himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would work change in us as a community. I pray that you would work change in me as a person. And I thank you for people who are willing to hear what you have to say.